out of town. Hello, welcome to the official At The Hive podcast, part of the SB Nation network of podcasts. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the other good podcast platforms. I'm Jonathan DeLong. I'm joined by Zach Brown. Zach, how are you? Jonathan, it's snowing in April. Well, it's not anymore, but it was it was snow. It was snowing hard too. It was coming down in sheets, and I feel like it symbolized the winter of our discontent. (laughs) It was. It was. It did. It was. Um, that is a good uh, analogy because Saturday it was like eighty degrees. It's like spring is here. Stuff is bright. Everything is warm. And then things are, things are looking up, it, you know, everything's positive in the world and the fall, yeah. the sky started falling down. And then three days later, it is literally blizzarding outside on April. It was, bon- it was bonkers. It was, uh, yeah. it was really coming down. I kind of work in the Gastonia, South Charlotte area and mm-hmm. it was, we, we had some snowfall this morning. Yeah. It's the uh, same here. Um, so as we're alluding to the Hornets, have lost three of the last four. Uh, did you want to go ahead and start with the the numbers? Game? Yeah, yeah. I've got a little numbers game for you, Jonathan, and um, I hope you'll bear with me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a number, and I want you to tell me what that number is. There's, it's going to be logical at the beginning and then slowly become illogical, like the play of the Charlotte Hornets. So, <laughs> okay. all right, we're going to start with this number. You ready? Very ready. $24 million. It's Nicholas Batum's salary this year? That is correct. $24 million. Okay, mm-hmm. next number. 9.8. Points per game for Nicholas Points, Batum. exactly right. $24 million is how much Nick Batum's getting paid. 9.8 is the points per game he's made in 2019. Okay, the next number is two. Years left on that contract? All right, that is correct, but not where I was going. Two is the amount of <laughs> field goals. Two is the amount of field goals Nick Batum has made in the past seven games. The last that, number I want you to guess. That's counting ones he didn't play, right? Yes, that's counting ones he didn't play. You, okay. Those count. Those count for the Hornets. They count for him, too, in my opinion. Okay. All right, and the last one is one, which gets to your point. The one game he's played in the past 10 days. So, it, yes. And they're most, and there's some DNP CDs in there. Yeah, 100%, which means the coach is deciding not to play his $24 million man. The last number we have connected to Nick Batum is $52,695,651. I bet you can guess what that number is. And that's. That's what's left on the contract. That's the money left, including his player option in uh, the second year. Um, Which he will for sure take because yeah, he's not going to make that money. He's not a crazy elsewhere. person. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe what he has just a good think... conscience and he's just like, I, I don't, my play is not commensurate with this sort of pay. I would like a pay cut. Oh, you think morally he's going to make that decision? <laughs> Like, hey, I, I can't not. tell my grandchildren that I stole this much money from <laughs> Michael Jordan. <laughs> I think when you get to the point where you're making that much money, like everybody's making an absurd amount of money just to play a game. So there's you can't really there's no moral card to play. That. So, yeah, there's no hope for that. Yeah, agree. But anyway, okay. sorry, I cut you off. What were you about to ask? 
No, no, we're we're gonna continue, and then I'll I'll ask it right at the end. Okay. All right. The next number is eleventh. Remember, I said eleventh. Yeah. Uh, where the Hornets are gonna pick? No, but that's close. Eleventh. Where they is did where... pick Malik Monk. That's correct. Ding, ding, ding. Where Malik Monk was picked. Okay. Next number is ninth. Where? Who's picked ninth? Frank Kaminsky. Frank Kaminsky. Oh, was it ninth? I thought it was later than ninth. Frank Kaminsky. Yep. Yep, fourth. Uh, Cody Zeller, and second. Michael K. Gilchrist. Okay, perfect. The Cody, the uh, Frank Kaminsky, uh, was picked ninth, and we were offered four first round draft picks. I think every time you say his name, <laughs> you should also include that we almost got four first round draft picks for him. I was just about to say, where did, did that happen? I I Mario before. Yeah. So so Boston might have offered us four first-round draft picks, but I'm just going to imagine that it happened because that's the way our front office operates. Mm. And then the last number connected with these names is 4.05. Um, is that their average salary? No, that is the amount of points these oh, players not- have averaged. All four have averaged in the past 10 games. Basically, our... No, our entire draft history in the past half a decade. Um, that's what they've produced in this time where you and I said, hey, this is the most important stretch of the season. This is where everybody should be dedicated and getting us to the playoffs and where Kimba Walker obviously has dedicated himself to try to get us to the playoffs. Yeah. And so I guess we can use that to transition into our games because it's been four games since we recorded, right? The Spurs was the... For last, back. last yeah. one we have. And Jonathan, though, bear with me one more, oh, one oh, yeah, more time. I got yeah, one more set of numbers for you, okay? Gotcha. The number is 14. 14. That is how many dollars I spent to go watch the Magic game next Wednesday. Oh, they're only the $14? Next, $14, and I got pretty good, pretty good seats. My Zero. <laughs> uh, percent chance the Hornets make the playoffs. Correct, and also the value of that ticket now. <laughs> All right, the next is that a literal is... thing, or is that, is that just your self uh, valuation of it? No, that's the, the I, that is my self evaluation, <laughs> and also the literal value of that ticket. Okay. Z- All right, the next number is also zero. Mm, Points scored know. by Mikael Bridges in the last game. The next number is also zero. Uh, points scored by Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams in a starting role against the Jazz. That's correct. And then the last number I have for you has got to be zero, which is the yeah. amount of confidence I have in the <laughs> decision making of the Charlotte Hornets front office. Uh, so you're you're sunshine and rainbows today. I'm beaten down, Jonathan. <laughs> I'm beaten it's, down. It's easy to happen. I mean, like we talked about last week. Um, the Hornets were trending up, and it was like, this is the, the make-or-break week for sure. Like, this is the last make-or-break week of the season. And they responded with the overtime win over the Spurs. And before I go into that, did you have any more numbers? No, no, that was it. That was it. I'm sorry to go through that. Oh. I just had to break down in numeric form my despair for you and for our audience so that they know where my mindset is at today. <laughs> uh, no, I appreciate it. I think 
people that have uh, read a lot of my stuff know that I'm a big numbers person, so numbers are always good. Um, but yeah, the Hornets, they responded to our call to action with the a win over the Spurs. It wasn't, I mean, they won it overtime, and any win over the Spurs, especially how hot they were, is good. I'm, but after that, it was just like, oh, well, now we go to the Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers are a dumpster fire train wreck. We, like, made fun of them on the show, like, looking forward more to them the basketball than, like, seeing if, like, LeBron James would fight a player on his own team or something like that. And the Hornets just decided that they were done. Who was out for this game? Almost all of their usual starters, almost all of their, like, future and playmaking players yeah. were out. Brandon Ingram, uh, Josh Hart, um, uh, Ball, Lonzo Ball was out. Yeah, and of and course, then, oh, go ahead. I was gonna, and I think you're about to say what I'm about to say. Of course, with the Hornets gets shut, and I think Kyle Kuzma gets shut down too. Did I see that? Uh, yeah, Kyle Kuzma <laughs> and and LeBron James get shut down like literally the day after. <laughs> yeah, I um, I can't remember. It was there was a broadcast. It was they said it on the TV broadcast a few weeks ago when the Hornets were still, you know, jostling for position in the playoffs where like the Hornets would play the the Warriors. And then the next game, the Magic played the Warriors, but Kevin Durant took a night off for rest. And then like the, the Warriors played like the Heat and then like Steph Curry took a night off for rest. And then everybody that the Hornets were playing, we got, got no breaks with the rest. But that aside, the Lakers are still really bad. And the Hornets let them score 129 basketball points in a regulation game. It, it was like the Monstars over there. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, I've seen the only the guy play a handful of times. I haven't seen him play mm-hmm. a lot. But I, from that game, I, I guess he's a, he's a future all-star in this league. Um, he was hitting threes. <laughs> yeah, he was going blind. It was crazy. So, so I, I was watching that game, and I know Contavious Caldwell-Pope, is his three-point shooting is supposed to be one of his calling cards. Um, he's supposed to be like, you know, a three and D guy. So I pulled up his stats expecting him to be like 39, 40% from three, you know, playing off LeBron James. He's shooting 35% from three this season. Oh, wow. And he, what did he shoot? 40% average. that night? Uh, he was six for 10. Yeah, 40%. Oh, no, 60%. Opposite. Oh my he missed 40%. Yeah. Wow. And there were a couple, and it was what was so frustrating about it, too, was there were times where, and I even said it when I was tweeting the game. We're like, um, it's like the Hornets leave Contavious Caldwell Pope uh, twenty feet of space after he's made like four three pointers. Like he, he just it was it was like in a half court set too where he caught a pass at the top of the key, and I think maybe it was like Frank Kaminsky was the one that was closest to him to close out to him, and he was closing out, and he's like, why? This guy's like four for six from three. Why is he being? Why left does he have that much unguarded? Space? Yeah. You shouldn't yeah, leave anybody that unguarded, but especially the guy that's single-handedly torturing you. Yeah, and it's not like you're you're doing it to guard LeBron James, trying to snuff him out because he had 27 points, nine assists in the game. He he was doing LeBron James things. Um, I do you think that he knew that he was going to get shut down the next day? I mean, you Probably. have to think he knew the plan. Um, yeah. and he was like, "Hey, Kimba, look how look how awesome it would be if you played with us." You know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised if he tried what to use you that. What yeah. you doing next year? Yeah. Some sort of recruiting pitch like. You want to be on he... HBO? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I have many TV shows you could join me on that I am executive producer of. But I really thought that the Hornets would show up there. I did um, too. 
and they didn't show up in LA and they certainly didn't show up for the next game against the Golden State Warriors, which is expected. I understand that we had that uh, as an L on the schedule, but we got trampled against the Golden State Warriors. I'm disappointed in myself because I just now thought that I should look into this. There's something about the state of California where the Hornets play zero defense. Because they gave up 137 points to the Warriors. And like you said, it's the Warriors. That's an expected loss. Um, no game is an expected 47-point loss in the NBA. No. And you should never expect to give up 137 points to your opposition, even if it's the Golden State Warriors. Especially when their starting center gets ejected in the second quarter. Yeah. And did um, – uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, Bogut played in that game. Was that his first game? Yes. Okay. No, he's – He's played a little bit, but it's also Andrew Bogan. And yeah, he's he's very old. Um, hey, it was just like I was that game. I don't even know what to say about that Warriors game. It was just the first quarter was just like, eh, I mean, all right, they're they're hanging in there, and then it was just like, oh, the Hornets are down by twenty. Oh, the Hornets are down by twenty-five. Oh, they're down by thirty. Uh, the Hornets are down by forty-seven points. Like, what's it just it was there wasn't like a, an explosive run they just got thoroughly outplayed from start to finish like they got outscored by 8 points in the first quarter and then by 14 11 14 in the final three quarters and so- yeah and you would look at this game differently if they were still on that winning streak and they'd won mm-hmm. with the, with the lakers and you're like hey you know we're not going to expend a bunch of energy you know this is a a team on a, on multiple different levels higher than the hornets um we're going to keep our energy for this pivotal jazz game that we <laughs> by all rights have a have a you know we should be competitive in this game mm-hmm. and then um and then yesterday happens yeah and what, what real quick on it i want to touch on the warriors thing cuz this is a similar yeah. problem that happened with the jazz um here uh zero what is what does zero represent to you in terms of the Warriors game? Um, uh, zero times Steph Curry missed. I don't know what is it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the amount of Hornet starters that scored in double figures. Wow. Uh, yeah, Marvin Williams, Miles Bridges, Bismont Biombo, Kimball Walker, Dwayne Bacon combined for twenty nine points. That's. That's crazy. I know that didn't Willie went off there, right? Yeah, he had 22 and he shot a, a million free throws. And then I thought it was funny. Did you see the Ashley Shamity's interview with James Borrego after the game? No, what happened? So she just was like, so that happened, huh? And he was like, and he called it the one of the most unprofessional performances of the team so far this season, which hard to argue that. And then um Ashley tried to spin a positive out of it and was like, you talked about the physicality, you know, Billy had 15 free throws. Do you think that was, you know, a good representation of him being physical and him playing well as an individual? And James Brigo immediately was like, I thought he played very well in the offensive end. And and that's always a backhanded compliment when a coach specifies like a specific area where you uh, did well. And then he even went so far as to say, now we just need him to play with that sort of fire and intensity on the other end of the court. Even even after Billy's 22-point outburst against the Warriors, Brego still just cannot get over his defense, which I understand. Like, we've talked about it before. He's he's a slow-footed player to 
Gendel lethargic and so apathetic on that end of the court where he just he watches so many other players score over him because he doesn't rotate to help. Sure, and there's two things in that interview that hits hits me the most is that one, if you're counting on Willie Hernan Gomez to be a pivotal role <laughs> in winning any game, you're losing yeah. that game. Um, yes. And second, Borrego, if you want uh, commitment and intensity and professionalism, you have to lead the team to that. I Look, I've got a lot of blame to put on the individual players, but mm-hmm. you're the leader of your team. You know, when um, my branches don't hit goals, I can't blame my employees. <laughs> I have to lead them to that. Yeah. Um, it's... And I- and I have seen stuff about that where, like, if there's a culture thing with the Hornets this year and stuff. But I don't – I mean, the defense as a whole has been bad, but not every defend player has been a bad defender. It's been – Kimball Walker and Tony Parker, the point guards, have been – and Malik Monk and Billy have been really bad. But everyone else yeah. at least seems to give effort on them. I think – and I think that's more of Borrego's issue is, like, effort – like, effort – there's no, like – skill set with being with effort you know it's just whether you you want it or not sure and, and you would think down the stretch you'd be you'd be um you'd want to make the playoffs and i just didn't see it in any of the players that not named kemba walker yeah and he, and then he he was he was he struggled against the warriors too but against both of those california teams that was very disheartening that not only it's one thing to get outplayed it's just like oh the shots weren't falling or the other team got hot it was that they just like they just didn't look like they really wanted it yeah which and, echoed in the jazz game not to get to the jazz mm-hmm. game but no, that fine. same lackadaisical like um and kemba blew up in the jazz game and although kemba um had a hard time with the warriors and had a little bit of a hard time with la both the warriors and la all they had to do was concentrate on them on them you can put three people on kemba and no one else would do anything um in the jazz game specifically what i saw was kemba walker taking the ball down usually having to like do amazing dribbles to get past the trap at half court Mm -hmm. Passing the ball to Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams doing this little like two-step dribble thing. And then because the defender reacted to him like he was alive because he's a live person, he would then pass it back to Kemba and Kemba would have to like <laughs> heave it up from three point. That gets yeah. on my nerves, Jonathan. That that it makes me feel like it, no one is committed. It makes me it is it is frustrating to me too. And it's and I don't want to keep like rehashing things I've said before, but it's very appropriate. It's that whole idea that the Hornets right now are Kimball Walker surrounded by a bunch of glue guys that have nothing to stick to other than more glue. Where Marvin Williams, like Marvin Williams, is probably a hugely beneficial player on a good, like a Warriors team, for example, or like a Boston Celtics or Toronto Raptors. Like those teams would love to have a player like Marvin Williams, you know, who can who can make threes. He's a good defender. He's in the right place. He's a good leader, good locker room guy, all that stuff. But the Hornets need more than that. They need somebody that can actually do something when, like you said, the other team is blitzing Kimball Walker and devoting all of their defensive attention to him. Well, and Marvin Williams and Marvin probably Williams. wouldn't be starting on any of those teams. And Marvin Williams certainly wouldn't be making $15 million on those teams. <laughs> right? And Yeah, I know. And that's – yeah, he, he – he cashed in in the the perfect summer to get that big contract yeah. because if we, if that's basically the only thing we could do, if we wanted to keep him, which 
correct me if I'm wrong. The season we paid Nick Batum and Marvin Williams all that money, we we just won 48 games. So like, it wasn't like we were like, oh, we're gonna pay all this money to bring back a core that's barely a playoff team. Like we, we were two games away from winning 50. Like, yeah, I, and, and I can Nick see where Batum people... kind of had his contract year. Yeah. Um, and you know, Nick B- the Batum has played bad this year, but I mm-hmm. have not been a Nick Batum hater all uh, his whole time he's been with the Hornets. Um, mm-hmm. The man has just paid too much money, and it's not yeah. his fault. It's the fault of the front office. Um, that's and that's always been my defense for him is he's not a bad player. He's an overpaid player. Yeah, he's been a little bad this year though. He's not a little <laughs> bad. He's he's been not a second you know, uh, star on a team that can make it to the playoffs. No, obviously. not at all. And if it's, Kemba Walker is surrounded by glue guys, it's that kind mm-hmm. of like stick glue that you got in elementary school that like you would put on the, the popsicle sticks and you'd stick it to the wall and they wouldn't stick. It would just like fall to the ground. That's the kind of glue, glue guys these people are. It was so frustrating to watch that jazz game and to watch a jazz team that has struggled, and I thought that our style of play um, could hold up in the way the Jazz play. The Jazz really lean on uh, Rudy Gobert being that center of defense, and because Kemba is such a so um, can hit three pointers, I thought, oh well, you know, we can work around that because our we don't rely on offense when it comes to our our paint players. Like we're not looking for Biombo to score 15 points. Um, I really thought he could get open, and we could win that game. And Kemba did his job, and no one else did theirs. 38 points in the second half is absurd. That's that's more than many players scored in two to three games. And he did it in the second half, and like you said, I agree that like. Because Rudy Gobert is not the most mobile player. He's very big. He's very tall. He's great at protecting the rim, but he's not good at stepping out at shooters. So, like you said, the perimeter should have been open for like he's like for Kimba's pull up dribbles off the off screen rolls and stuff like that, which was he got that um, that succeeded. The problem is, as has been the case too often, almost every other player was awful. It um, was, it was a hole. Every every, it was Kemba Walker, like saving a team that wasn't trying to be saved. It yeah, was ridiculous. Yeah, Jeremy Lamb and and Billy played well again on. Uh, I'll say on the offensive end to, to echo Jason. Rick. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, well, it's. I mean, it's got to be mentioned that Rudy Gobert had eighteen rebounds and eight of ten from the field and got. I think all eight of his made baskets were dunks, so that. There's something to be said there. Um, yeah, I'm gonna basically read my own work, but in the recap, I did this. Um, combined points for Marvin Williams, Miles Bridges, Frank Kaminsky, and Devontae Graham: zero points on <laughs> 0, 0 for 19 shooting, 0 for 12 from three in 88 total minutes. 88 minutes for four players, and they scored. They made zero zero baskets. Points. Um, the three, Jeremy Lamb and Billy like played well, like I said, the other eight players that played. So that would be, uh, Williams, Bridges, Biombo, Bacon, Kaminsky, MKG, Graham, and Monk combined to go, uh, seven of 36 from the field. 
19.4% from 18 from three. That's 11%. They scored 17 points. Eight players scored 17 points. That's not even junior varsity. That's like some middle school team. Um, that is I, one point more than a third of Kimball Walker's total by himself. <laughs> one point more than a third. That's math right there, guys. That's it's not even exactly right, but it's very close. <laughs> All right, um, so so the starting lineup for that game. All right, I'm taking Kimball Walker out of it. Bacon, mm-hmm. Biombo, Bridges, and Marvin Williams. Any of those those players, are they coming off like none of those players are six six men none of those players are um even in the second wave that you're counting on they might play minutes you know as a specialty uh player but none of those players are are starting players in the nba and then none of those players are in that second wave that you're hoping to get energy from coming off the bench uh and and, and almost any other team in the league i think it depends on the makeup of a team like if you put Miles or Marvin, maybe Miles not so much on a good team because he's a rookie and rookies seem to tend to not get that many minutes. But like someone like Marvin or Bacon or not Biz, I mean, but like that style of player can fit if there's a lot of star power around them. Like if you think of when like the the Heat had their, like even like the Warriors, the Warriors had Zaza Pachulia as their starting center when they had Green, Durant, Thompson, and Curry as the other starters. It just got to, you know, to kind of fill in the gaps. But I do agree with you that all of those players together is not a starting caliber, an NBA caliber starting unit. Yeah, but would you take Zaza Pachulia over Biombo? Probably. Over Biombo, yes. Right. Um, Cody Zeller, I guess, you know, he's he's fine. Um Oh, does he is he a basketball player? Does he play he's, is that what he does uh, for a living? Is is the sorest knee of all time. <laughs> it, it is really sore. It's a very sore knee. <laughs> it just is not getting better, I guess. I, which that is there have been a couple peculiar things. Like Nick had the illness, which I guess has been kind of clarified a little bit that he just got a virus and lost a bunch of weight. But then he hasn't made I'm gonna get back on the lineup. Cody Zeller was like, Oh, he's day to day with a sore knee, and then he just is never gonna touch a basketball again in his life. And then um Dwayne Bacon only got five minutes against the Jazz, and I haven't seen any explanation for that. I don't know if you have. Oh, I haven't, but although Dwayne Bacon has been doing better, I still don't think Dwayne Bacon is a, a heavy minutes off the bench player for really any other team. I, I think he's got a lot of potential, and he's grown this year, um, but he's got a, a lot of gaping holes in his game as well. Mm-hmm. Um I've got an I've got an impossible to answer question for you, um, okay. but I'm going to pose it anyway. What do you think this team is better or worse with Steve Clifford as the coach? Replace uh, JB with Steve Clifford. Um, I think it's worse. Okay. All right. Because... Do you think the defense is better? The defense is probably better, and I know the defensive rebounding would be better because we were always good at that with Clifford. I And it's worked for him to an extent with the Magic. I just don't know how – like, his preferred play style is very hard to find the pieces for in the modern NBA, and it's very hard to use that play style to keep up with the, you know, the pace and space and the three-point – layups three pointers free throw style of play the NBA is in. I think that's where James Borrego is trying to take this team. 
So in that, like stylistically, I think James Borrego's approach is more conducive to winning in this NBA. And if we want to look at it in an oversimplistic manner, if the Hornets win two of their next of their last five games, they'll finish with a better record than they did with Steve Clifford. So I think it's better with James Borrego. It's just I think there's um without Dwight Howard sucking up a lot of possessions and filling out the box score, um, the team looks worse around Kimba, even if the the tighter, if you know what I mean. I I do. I'm I'm gonna disagree with you a little bit. We heard this about JB when he was coming in, like, hey, he's gonna infuse a mm-hmm. Spurs style. The ball's really gonna move. It's gonna be pace and space, and it's gonna uh, really change our offense. And I'm also gonna give you a little credit for its being his first year, and it takes a long time to mm-hmm. get that into the um, team, but. If Steve Clifford's defense was better on this team, I think we're a six seed in the playoffs because the offense is still all Kemba Walker. And does Kemba Walker put us on his back and uh, get us to win offensively? And if that defensive component was better, we would have won more games. Um, now, I was very frustrated with Steve Clifford while he was here. He, did, he didn't <laughs> play the young players, um, but the young players don't get you W's and I think that we would have won more games. We, we would be in the playoffs um, with Steve Clifford. Now, does that necessarily mean that I think that we would have a brighter future with Steve Clifford? I don't think so, but I do think we would be talking about playoff podcasts if we had Steve Clifford as our head coach. I could, I could see that where like with the roster as constructed that if you just say, you know, if you improve the defense and just let the offense just be a train, the offense is already Kimber Walker centered around Kimber Walker, as opposed to a theoretically more free flowing train wreck around Kimber Walker, that the team might get a couple extra wins and make the playoffs. Um, so I do see that, but like you said, I don't know if it's the best style to like make any sort of notable progression, you know, a notable dent into like, the contenders, if you know what I mean. I, like, I do. Like a, a but what you're that, saying is, yeah, what you're saying is that we got these players for the Steve Clifford style yeah, of play. And exactly. now we're trying to inject them into the pace and space. And I mean, Biombo can't play pace and space. And, no, he can neither pace nor space. <laughs> yeah. And M- MKG don't, he doesn't even know how to rhyme words like pace and space. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, no. And that like watching the Hornets, it's like, there's you can see parts of it like where the Hornets shoot the tenth most threes in the NBA, which is good. They are twenty first in three point percentage, which is like I'm like watching a lot of these games and it's like, man, we're getting good looks. We just don't have players that can make these looks. Like if we had it doesn't even have to be better overall players, but if we had a team that was like Kimball Walker with better spot up shooters around him this team would be better just because like the type of looks this offense generates isn't doing any good when we're, he's like kicking out to Jeremy lamb. Who's just clanking three, a point after three pointer after three pointer. Yes, Jonathan, if we had better players on this team, this team would be a better, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I, I totally get, I get exactly what you're yeah. saying. The, the people who could hit those open, like I've, I've driven to the basket. I've, mm-hmm. I've gotten your defender to come towards me. If I give you an open three pointer, you're getting paid millions of dollars. Hit that open three-pointer. Yeah, it's there. Just been so many games like the 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 Jazz game 
team and like, man, these are NBA, these are professional basketball players and they're hitting one out of every three, two or three, or one out of every three to four wide open looks. Like the Horn, they were 25% from three against the Warriors, uh, 23% from three against the Jazz. And it's not like these are all, like Kimball Walker is the only player that takes tough three pointers. And Malik Monk, he takes tough three pointers because he doesn't know how to find a good shot. But there's no reason they should be shooting that poor from three because it's not like the Rockets who are just heaving threes every time they touch the ball. Who do you think the second best player on this team is? Who, but obviously Kemba Walker is our, is our all star, our champion. Mm-hmm. Who's the second best player on this team? That's it's so tough because I feel like it it changes so much because there's not really like a clear cut number two. Jeremy because Lamb you can't is, put the word best in front of any of these players. Yeah, Jeremy Lamb would probably by default. But it's not an answer I'd feel good about. Like, I don't think you want to have Jeremy Lamb as your second best player on a basketball team. Yeah, and that might bring us to the future, which is Jeremy Lamb most likely won't be on this basketball team next year. Mm. Um, And so our future, our core that we've gotten a little excited about in that uh, winning stretch um, doesn't even come up in that conversation. And the guy that we're, we have another... $60 $60 million to pay doesn't even come up in that conversation. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I will say this, and this is something that will surprise people. And I almost said him as my answer. Um, you, We might've talked about this. You know what real plus minus is? Have we talked about real plus minus? We have a little bit. Um, I know what plus minus is. I'm mm-hmm. not sure exactly what the real in front of it changes <laughs> it, how it changes it. So, um, and I, I, I think I'm anyway, uh, real take, plus take minus the next is, two hours and explain it to us. Okay. I'll, <laughs> next, I'll take the next two seconds. But basically, it's just like a super advanced stat that I, I don't – I haven't bothered to, you know, deep dive into the formula for it. Gotcha. That estimates the impact that every, that every players have on the offensive end and the defensive end of the court relative to – I don't know what it's relative to. But – Okay. So, like it, – and it – it passes like the eye test, like it matches the eye test pretty well. Like the top five in real plus minus this year are Paul George, James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic, Steph Curry. Okay. So like it's you know there's a good, it's got a good you know matchup with the eye testing. There's one player on the Hornets who has a positive offensive and defensive real plus minus. Okay. Um, and th- I guess it, it's not affected by minutes. Um, no, it's not. It's a okay. Bridges? No, Bridges is a minus in both, but it's okay. he's been going up. It's I'll, it's Marvin Williams. Wow, now that doesn't pass the eye test. See, I I kind of see. It. I'm higher on Marvin Williams than most people, and to be fair, he's very he's barely positive in both. Like uh, he's but he's positive in both. Like Kimball Walker is the best player on the team, but he's got a pretty significantly negative. Defensive, defensive, real plus minus, which is pretty apparent. He's pretty, he's he's been pretty apathetic on defense the last couple of years. But yeah, Marvin yeah. Williams, he's a twenty fourth out of ninety eight power forwards, sandwiched in between Montrez Harrell and Luke Cornett, of course. Oh yeah, those are like <laughs> those people are lighting the league on fire. That's Montrez interesting Harrell is though. actually, but Luke Cornett is kind of a, I think, a small sample size case there. Um, yeah. 
and now I, I again I'm reading my own stuff. This is a common left. Jeremy is Kimball Walker, Jeremy Lamb, Marvin Williams, Cody Zeller are the only four positive players for real plus minus for the Hornets. Um, do you know? Who, and then Malik Monk is like third to the third worst shooting guard in the league by that stat, and Billy Hernan Gomez is like the seventh worst center in the league based on that. So maybe James Borrego just makes rotation decisions based on real plus minus. <laughs> that's that's probably what he's doing. He or he probably just read your articles. That's what I would assume. So if we come full circle, Jonathan, this losing season is your fault. Is what I'm what I'm gonna say. <laughs> I think depending on who uh, who you read on Twitter or in the comment section, you would think that me and the coaching staff are the same people. <laughs> Do the readers and blame should... you for what the Hornets do? No, no they get on. The one thing I'll say that I almost brought, I meant to bring this up earlier. Uh, I wrote an article maybe a month into the season, three weeks into the season. It was relatively early. Um, and I called Nicholas Batum an unsung hero over the Hornets because at that point, like the team's on off was like, he was like a plus 22, like is the, t- the team's net rating is like 22 points better when he's on the court, when he's off the court, he wasn't doing much offensively. Like he was still doing the whole like nine points, four rebounds, four assists thing. Uh, and so everybody of course was like, this guy's garbage. He needs to be, down, yeah, yeah. Like we should just cut him and eat, pay him to not play and all that stuff. And I was like, look, he's disappointing in the box score, but and in at the beginning of the year, like, to my in my eyes, I'm like he's making plays on defense. He's connecting the offense. Like he's making the team better. So I wrote that, and then he, uh, I I swear, like starting with the day I wrote that, he just decided he was just gonna like that was his achievement, his goal, because he just disappeared for like three. Oh, I get people calling him an unsung hero to me, all over the place, and I was like, okay, guys, I get it. Like it was true when I wrote it. It's not true anymore. I'm sorry. That's the thing about the internet, man. It never gets erased. <laughs> it never goes. It never even if I erased. erase it, like it's it's been put in people's brains, and I'm forever the guy that said Nicholas Batum. And the other thing is, like, I guess because the article is in the present tense, that you can go back and find it now, six months later, and be like, "Look, you said he is an unsung hero." And I'm like, well, he true, he was. But yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, to, I say all that to say, yes, it's my fault that the Hornets are losing games. Fantastic, fantastic. I do want to stress, stretch. So we have um, five games left in this season. Yes. Watch Kemba Walker. I think two things are going to happen. First, I think he's going to explode because these are the last, maybe the last games he will play in a Hornets jersey. Go to go to home games. The last two home games are against Toronto and then Orlando. Um, and see this guy in person because this may be your last time to see him in a Hornets jersey. And it's getting in in my opinion, and maybe your opinion is different, it's getting less and less of a chance that he's he's coming back. Um and I hate to say that. I don't want to be a pes- pessimist about it. Um but we haven't given him a lot of reasons to say to stay except that we invested in him and accept that he loves the city. Yeah, and that was, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I meant to, to bring that up earlier when we were talking about the Jazz game. That Jazz game could not have happened at a worse time because it's, you know, like you said, there's only five games left after it. So it's late in the season, and it's just like a perfect reminder to Kimball Walker, like, hey, man, this team around you is not that good. It's all, it's the Kimball 
block. And it's just like, it's very, I could see him get, you know, that's very easy for him to look at that game and be like, man, I need to get out of there where I can actually win something because there's no one there to help me. Yeah, and we can talk about the future in a different podcast, but it's going to be a few years before we have the space to do anything, to be honest. Yeah, unless the 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 only thing that can really happen is if we give up picks, either like this year's first round pick or future picks to try to offload some salary. But it's going to take a significant amount of salary to be offloaded because everybody's coming back next year. Like nobody expires this summer. Except yeah, for Kemba Walker, Jeremy Lamb, and Frank Kaminsky, who are probably like three of the most useful players down the stretch of this season. So, yeah, that's really going to help us out. And and I think <laughs> we should have a podcast about that, but probably not now. Um, but that's all I had for that. I I you know I'm a Hornets fan, and I want us to make sure that we experience these next five games with Kemba Walker because we you know it's been a great years that he's been here, and he is really put his energy and his effort into these games and you know don't don't lose your opportunity to see him yeah you don't want to have to watch Kimball Walker come back as like a maverick or, or a Laker. Nick or Nick yeah, yeah. Oh, god. That's all gross oh, god yeah jeez <laughs> all right <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if I'll be able to watch like if what if he signs for another team like I feel like I won't be able to watch their games for a little while like that's yeah you know I yeah, I am, you know, I, I will always root for Kemba Walker. I think I love mm-hmm. the way he approaches the game, um, but it'll be it'll be hard, uh, hard to watch. Do you know what? Um, and I thought about this the other day. If I'm Mitch Kupchak, one of the one of my negotiating tactics I have in my in my back pocket is, you know, because Mitch Kupchak has built championship teams in the past. Um, I'll be in Los Angeles where it's a little bit of a you can take a different approach to building a team than you have to do here in Charlotte. But I'd be like, hey, I've built championship teams before. How bad would you feel if you spent eight years with this being bad on this bad team only to leave and see the team do really well without you? You might, you know, give him give him some some FOMO and and hope that's enough to keep him around. Yeah, I wanted Michael Jordan to offer him a huge sneaker contract, but you said it was against the rules. I, no, I don't sure. make the rules. I just, I just will actually you and tell you the rules. I appreciate you, Jonathan, and we appreciate you guys for listening. Um, hang in there, watch him, Kemba Walker. Please subscribe and um, uh, download every single episode, whether you listen to it or not, because that makes it look like people listen. That's that's right, and you are actually listening. We have, we have faith in that as well. <laughs> yes, and and also listen though. I mean, you made it this far. You might as well keep yeah. coming back. Jonathan, winter is coming. Oh wait, no, uh, no, it's not. summer's <laughs> coming. Summer's coming, which means we're a couple weeks away, unless the Hornets do something incredible, uh, from turn, shifting our focus to draft prospects and hope and blind optimism. So that's oh, you have that yeah. to look forward to. And a, a lot of bunch weeks. of weird creative podcasts from Zachary Brown. You get you you wait. <laughs> We're gonna get weird in here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks again for listening as always. And thanks, Zach, as always, for joining me. Peace out. Later, guys. <laughs>